0: You're listening to the Prayer Storm podcast. We pray that this teaching blesses you, challenges you, and equips you, leaving you ignited for all that God has for you. Don't forget to check out James Ladderin's book, Life on Fire, which is out now. You can find this and more at prayerstorm.org, or you can click the link in the description below. All right, we have an executive summary of The work of creation in the book of Genesis chapter 2. And that's where I want to invite us to. Genesis chapter 2. Now listen to me. I feel with great intensity the fire. The fire that is emanating from an angelic messenger that God has released into this place. I feel with great intensity. And it is very likely that while I'm trying to teach, God might begin to kindle the flame, so just in case you find someone screaming close to you while the teaching is going on, those kind of things happen in the presence of God, amen, all right, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them, and on the uh, seventh day God ended his work which he had made and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he rested from all his work which he had created and made. Verse four is my emphasis. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. My challenge, the challenge I have with that verse of scripture, if you understand the context and the progression of revelation, God is just beginning the work of creation. And then we have a word there, generations. I thought. The word generations will find expression uh, somewhere into the line, not just at the beginning. And that's why that particular um, representation calls for a linguistic investigation. So that we can probe and travel into the original linguistic foundation uh, that was translated "generation." because I know the scholars in our midst understand that. Uh, The Hebrew language and the Greek language is deeper than English language. So okay, I don't need to explain that. It's deeper than English language. For instance, in my local dialect, there is no word for stubborn. All right, it means that English language is deeper than my local dialect. All right, so uh, Hebrew and Greek are very deep, I believe God chose to communicate in these languages originally because of their depth and their dexterity and flexibility of explanation, because um, communication and communicating things that are in the realm of heaven, uh, language does a lot of disservice to that kind of communication, all right? So it is needful for us to conduct a linguistic investigation into the word that was used fundamentally, that was eventually translated as generations in English language. So if you have an electronic Bible, click on generations. And when you do, you find a comparative comparative word, and that word is Tolidao, that's the pronunciation, it's a comparative word, you cannot use it in isolation, you can can only use it if you are comparing two things, and so in this reading that we have here in the book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 4, what we are comparing for which the word Tolidao was used is the heavens or the invincible realm and the earth or the visible realm. So we are trying to contrast and to compare. Now, Tolidao means to give birth to. You know, if, if the last time I came here, you were very heavy. In fact, we had to pray for you. Lord, help my sister. But now she is no longer heavy. So this child came from her. So what we are trying to establish here is that the invisible realm is the mother, toledo, of the visible realm. And you know when this child was in the womb, it was the, the child, or she was, is she she was connected to you through your umbilical cord. So if you, if, if you drink Coke, she drinks Coke. If you drink Fanta, she drinks Fanta. Because there's a link between you and the child. That's the idea of Tolida. That word suggests that there is a link between the unseen realm and the seen realm. The seen realm evolved from the unseen realm, and the umbilical cord is still linked, such that if someone that knows the shape of the invisible realm, probably through the agency of a spirit of error. Maybe the person is a a warlock and he knows the shape of the negative supernatural realm. He can use his knowledge of that realm to change something in the natural realm without having to do it physically because of the umbilical cord connection. Totally down. The scripture is trying to make us understand that the natural realm is a mere victim of the activities that are obtainable in the supernatural realm. And so, if you are going to be a master of the natural realm, you must understand the shape of the supernatural realm so that you can influence it according to that which you intend to implement. If you lack skill, In manipulating the supernatural realm, you are going to be a victim of the spiritual activities that take place in your territory. Mm. Now, I want us to go further. Are you still with me? Meanwhile, according to scripture, we cannot sustain a thought except we are able to find two or three witnesses that support the same thought. That means that thought is is biblical. So I just brought a thought now. So in the book of Romans chapter 1 beginning from verse number 20. Let's do 18. Okay. I will show you the same thought before we proceed. Are you doing Romans 1? All right, we might need to consult a simpler translation subsequently, but let me do my old King James. I was trained with old King James, so just bear with me. For the invincible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Maybe we'll take it from a simpler translation. Who has another translation that is not King James Version? NIV, okay. Just read, just read, I will amplify, okay. If you have a microphone, you may arm him with a microphone so that he can help us uh, with the reading. Romans chapter 1 verse... Twenty, Romans one twenty. We are taking it from NIV. Yes. For since the creation of the world. Since the creation of the world. His invisible attributes. His, his invisible att- attributes are clearly seen. Are clearly seen. Being understood by the things. Being, don't read it like a novel. That's the word of life. <laughs> Being understood, Being understood by, the things that are by the physical creation. It means, first of all, wait, stop there, stop there. I will ask you to continue. That is to say that there is this relationship between that which is seen and that which is not seen. In fact... That scripture and the rendering in your own translation is suggestive of the fact that the the things that are in the unseen realm are adequately illustrated by the things that are in the seen realm. Yeah? Even deep issues like God's eternal power and Godhead are clearly illustrated in the things that are visible. Just to show you the compatibility between the invisible and what? The visible. You know, when Jesus showed up here and he began to attempt to teach us about heavenly things, he did not use heavenly examples. He used what? Physical things, earthly things to illustrate heavenly things because of the compatibility, the relationship that exists between the seen and the unseen. Are you there? Did you got that? Yeah, finish your reading. Even his eternal power. His internal power is illustrated, and Godhead. The concept of the Godhead is illustrated. Why? So that, so that humanity is without excuse. The greatest evangelist is not Right Hand bunker. It's creation. If if you if you if you if you think, you will find many things that you, puzzles that you cannot solve. Is suggestive of the fact that an intelligence, the delicate balance. I I did a little, I studied in the sciences, and uh, it was always an argument in science class because I'll say, hey, like someone came up and said, oh, we are a result of evolution. Then I said, oh, okay, why, why are there still monkeys? If we came from monkeys, why is it that all the monkeys did not evolve? What happened? So it was, a, it was, in fact, lecturers became weary of me. I say, oh my God. <laughs> but you see, there is no way you can escape the, the fact that there is an eternal power that is behind the delicate balance that exists in the visible creation. The visible creation is a pointer to the invincible dimension and the invincible personality that is behind everything that we see. The reason why there is relationship and compatibility is because the physical realm was given birth to Toledal. That's, where they, that's why they used the word generation. That was the closest English word to it at that time. It was giving birth to, from the invincible layer. Are you, are you, are you still with me? Now, so if we are going to have the capacity to influence this physical Realm. then we must understand the shape of the invincible realm. Part of what priesthood does is that it's, it's an education pathway that acquaints us with the shape of the invincible so that through faith we can handle things that are not tangible and we can operate not according to circumstances and situations. Oh, you're not with me. How am I going to break it down? We operate according to the prompting of the one that is responsible for the actual physical creation. If we operate at that level, there is nothing that is in this realm that will have the capacity and the authority to tie you down successfully. It will attempt to, but because you have access to the dynamics of the divine supernatural. And I I didn't just say the realm of the spirit. Because once upon a time you are going to meet with someone that is educated in darkness. And the person too is trying to colonize the space. That's when the superior nature of your priesthood will be superimposed upon his efforts. And it will be evident that you are in league with the personality that is behind creation. There are a few things we are going to see as we go into this lecture, Uh, but I don't intend to take your time. But (laughs) based on the limits of my study, I found nine things about the shape of the spiritual realm that is supposed to influence your prosecution of prayer. Nine things. Uh, But we'll we'll discuss one for tonight, just one tonight, I think one should do. One should do. All right. Before I go into all of that, I need to show you, okay, maybe tomorrow I'll show you the currency. If you want to trade and transact in that realm, there is a currency that you need to use. So we'll look at that tomorrow. Let's try and see if we we can get as much um, insight into the shape of the invincible realm and how to manipulate it through the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in your spirit man in order for you to be capable of actualizing the purpose of God for your life in the face of Satan, demons, devils, and resistance. Are you still with me? All right, let me show you something quickly. Go to the book of Genesis chapter four. As we identify... Genesis chapter 4 verse 8, I want to identify the first item that reveals the shape of the realm of the spirit. I said there are nine of them that I found. So it's not not limited to the nine I found, but that's what I found based on the limits of my own understanding. Alright? So it can be more. Now, in the book of Genesis chapter 4 verse 8, the Bible says this, and Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel and his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel, thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now thou, now art thou cursed from the earth, which had opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, they shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall now be in the earth. Let's stop there. I know you noticed that the scripture that I just read, Reviews a court session, a court session. According to the Witness Act, Act of Nigerian Law, Witness Act of Nigerian Law, there are only two kinds of witnesses that you can have in an event. The first witness is the eyewitness. Second witness is the expert witness. If you bring a doctor that is a consultant in, in, in eternal medicine and he brings an autopsy report, it can affect the pendulum of justice. God asked Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? Seeing that there was no eyewitness and there was no expert witness report, Cain answered, the court of heaven, as though he was addressing a human court. And he said, am I my brother's keeper? And indeed, if he were addressing a human court, his argument would have passed. Unfortunately for him, he was addressing the court of heaven. Are you with me? Number one, he didn't know there was any court in the realm of the spirit. Are you with me? So because he didn't know, did not exempt him from the influence and the authority of that court. Mm. That's number one. Then number two, he didn't understand the constitution upon which the court was operating. And so he felt that since there was no witness, no eyewitness, no expert witness, any reasonable constitution whatsoever would not be able to convict him of that crime. Just to clear his doubts, because he was not acquainted with the legal system that was handling the case, to clear his doubts, the case file had to be read to him. Let me let me, let me read the item from the case file. There's an item there. Verse 10 is the item from the case file. It says, And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood cried unto me from the ground. According to the constitution under which this justice system is established, blood too can double as a a competent witness in this court. That was the day that Cain knew that blood has vocabulary. Blood can communicate. In fact, it was the blood that occasioned the writ of summons. It was the demand that the blood was making that was responsible for the court sitting to address the grievances of the cry that came through blood. Have you studied your Bible in the New Testament? The Bible says that the blood of Jesus speaketh. Okay, let me stop there. Mm, Let me stop there. Do you realize that after Cain lied, he was not allowed to speak in that court anymore. You know, normally before you start the proceedings at court, you need to, I don't know how to do it here, but in Nigeria you take an oath by what you believe, okay. If you are a wizard, they'll get some items from, from your workshop and in the name of those items, you need to take an oath so that we can be sure of your compliance, your integrity. We know that you you lie every day, but in the light of this (laughs) material that was recovered from your workshop, for the few minutes while the case is on, we are expecting that you will tell the truth. Are you still with me? So he lied in court, and from that point henceforth, his contribution was no longer required. Little cross-examination that was done because you know the conversation began with a question. Where is Abel, your brother? I know most of you have been in court before. If you have an intelligent lawyer that is on the other side, you have every reason to pray because the lawyer knows how to rope you in to make a comment that would disqualify your case before the court god began with cross-examination to see if there was any substance in cain's position even though he was almighty he submitted himself to this legal activity so that the man will know when judgment is meted out he will accept the judgment because he knows he's guilty so god is trying to prove to him that he's guilty Now, all of these systems cannot be in place if there is no deliberate court that is operational in the spiritual realm. Meanwhile, it is needful for us to look upon the judgment that God gave Cain. First, he said, and now thou art cursed from the earth. He said, when you till the ground, the ground will no longer yield unto you her strength. A fugitive, because he would think that okay, the problem is with Manchester. He will move to Glasgow, and Glasgow will refuse to yield to him, her strength. Meanwhile, there is a judgment upon this man. It didn't affect his biceps. A, a, a young lady can still look upon him and say, "I love him," ah! and not know. May the Lord give you understanding. That judgment. Is hanging upon him. The reason why I went to this scripture. This is the best scripture that illustrates the fact that the unseen realm is capable of justice, of judgment, and equity. Are you with me? Can I take you to another scripture now to explain this matter in detail? That scripture will now be Isaiah. So, I'm showing you that the first shape of the unseen realm is that it is legalistic in nature. Most bondages you will find people having have legal undertones. They are transactions that have brought consequences and judgments on people that are traceable to legal things in the realm of the spirit. And if you do not have an eye, an ear for perception. You might find some people in a certain situation and you may think they need counseling. Say, so, no, this guy needs a counselor. And some, some marriage issues, some marriage contentions that take place. You might think that, oh, we need to see a counselor. Stay with me. In the book of Isaiah, I'm I'm trying to lay it out clearly before we begin engagement, all right? Because we have realized that this physical realm is a victim of the unseen realm. Meanwhile, there was one of, there was, I don't know, I don't want to mention the name of the place. I was somewhere in the Midlands, and I woke up in the night to pray, and I saw that the place... Well, I have a gift, the gift of discernment of spirit, and I can discern a territory. I can see a territory from the realm of the spirit. And I saw that city from the realm of the spirit, and I saw it in the grip of witchcraft. And trust me, if I tell you witchcraft, I know it. I know it in my family. Not from books and from movies. May the Lord give you understanding. (laughs) Uh, I'm saying that there are members of my family that are very professional practitioners of witchcraft, so I know the signs of it when I see it. So if I tell you that I I saw a city in your nation held under witchcraft, trust me, I know what I'm talking about. Meanwhile, the, the, the place was looking wonderful. The roads were tired, everybody looked happy. (laughs) Until I saw how many people had to use beer in the night. Then I realized that indeed the weight of darkness sits over that land. One part of the reason why we need to study these matters is that if we're going to liberate territories, from the bondage of darkness that sits over them. Some of the the bondages have legal undertones. You need to understand the legal language that is used in the realm of the spirit so that you can become an agency of redemption and command deliverance unto Jacob. Now, I told you from the beginning, because last time when I came, James was educating me. And he said, I would have explained that the power of God, (laughs) so I'm trying now. (laughs) It's normal, right? It's normal for God to move in the name of Jesus. (laughs) So come with me, come with me to um, Isaiah. Isaiah, so we'll look at just this legal aspect and then I will take you to the New Testament and show you the writings, no, Isaiah first then, show you the writings of, of the prophet and how he points to the day of Jesus and the things that he said then you'll find out that Jesus' assignment was heavy. And that what he did on the cross was a massive legal statement. It was legal. He was attempting to satisfy the claims of divine justice. And we are going to look at those claims a a bit so that you will understand uh, why redemption is the way it is. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. All right, let's go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 49. Beginning from verse 24. Isaiah 49, 24. It's a question shall the prey be taken from the mighty or shall the lawful captive be delivered? Let me stop there. That's not the end of my reading, but I need to stop there and explain. Do you realize that these two questions asked here is one question asked in two different ways. He said, shall the prey be taken from the mighty? He knows you will not understand it. So he said, or, not and. Same question. or oh, so he's giving you another rendering, not the same question, so that you will actually understand what the first rendering was about. Shall the prey be taken from the mighty? Or shall the lawful captive be delivered? So that guy that was referred to as mighty here was not referred to as mighty because he is in possession of brute strength, but he's referred to as mighty because the, the captivity he brings his victims into is legal. It's legal. Some of you sitting here are in captivity. Don't worry. When we go into the practical sessions, you will see what I'm talking about. The power of God will reveal what you cannot see. The other day, a woman called me and said, I want to show you my daughter that is going to get married. Just bless her for me. I said, oh, I do I, I do such things. I do such things. <laughs> and, she, and she brought the daughter to me. And the moment they brought the daughter to me, my eyes opened. And I saw death sitting on her head. I said, your daughter is dead. She didn't believe me. I said, all right. I'll show you a sign. Then I prayed for her. You know this, I don't know what they call this black black patch in the eye. Okay, that thing you say it is. <laughs> that thing went away and it was just white for 30 minutes. Meanwhile, she was on the floor. So I was lecturing the woman what happened to her daughter. And she did not believe that what I was saying could ever happen to our daughter because she's been taking care of her. There are things that the power of God will reveal here today. Yeah. Things that you never thought existed. It's easy to doubt the Bible if you have not seen the power. Yeah. What God does is that in order for him to authenticate the things he wants us to relay to the people, he answers. us with an equipment that comes through his spirit, that comes to confirm the things we say that they are true and they are from God. Because no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So God does not leave his word empty. He sends backup. And the backup that he sends to confirm his word is in form of power. Have you seen the scripture says that the kingdom of God is not in word? It is in power. Oh, I studied in the sciences and when, um, in the biology class, when the teacher comes to teach, he needs to illustrate the things he's teaching with a diagram, with the aid of a diagram. Kingdom things are illustrated with the aid of power. May the Lord give you understanding. So some time in this meeting, power will come here and it will reveal some things. So please, forgive me in advance, okay? If, if there is something, a legal situation that is on your life and you're not even aware of it, but you just notice that things don't work for you, you can't stay on a job. All the money you've earned, you can't account for it. Something blows on it and it leaves you. All right? We will be coming from the legal front. There's a way to fight in the legal world. It's not every battle that is on the war front. Some battles are in the court. Mm. you might just find 20 people in the courtroom but the result of that procession would put somebody away for life 20 people just 20 people and they are talking and arguing and contending and at the end of the day they put a man on handcuff and that, the last, that's the last time you said bye because he's going in hiding as I speak right now bondages will begin to shiver under the power of God, so please, please forgive me. Forgive me. Let's agree. We need to agree before I continue. That you are not offended with power. Let's agree. Yes, All right. So, it might come on you. I might, I might come close to you to pray for you. We are. We, you, you permit me to do so. Yes. Hallelujah. Well, I was in London ministering and. Uh, an English woman called me and said, Are you aware that what you're doing? That's why I'm, that's why I'm taking permission from you. I am a young African boy that found Jesus. And the Jesus in me is powerful. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, shall the prey be taken from the mighty? Or shall the lawful captive be delivered? You realize that nobody answered that question. It was God that came to answer it. It's just like the question that God asked Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Son of man, shall these bones live again? Ah, the prophet was smart. He said, Lord, only thou knowest. There's a level of knowledge that resides only with you. So I think you are the one that needs to testify on this matter. So there was no response, even though it was a question. Shall the prey be taken from the mighty? Shall the lawful captive be delivered? There was no response until God himself decided to show up to provide the answer. Let's find the answer. But thus saith the Lord, even the captive of the mighty shall be taken away. And they pray of oh, the terrible shall be delivered. How will he do that? He say, I will contend with him that contended with thee. You are not with me. Yes. There is, it is a two-fold process. There's an aspect of it that has to do with contention. There's an aspect of it that has to do with saving. He said I will contend with him that contended with thee and I will do what? Save. Why did he say I will save thy children? Because legal bondages have the potential to become transgenerational. The mother suffered the same thing and it goes to the next generation and the daughter is suffering the same thing and when she gives birth to another daughter in another generation, it is transferred. You see, it has, because a spirit watches over that legality to implement it across generations, it has that potential to travel across bloodlines, across family lines, and the same symptom finds expression because there's a legal position. He said, I will contend with him that contended with thee. Say, can you see that this contention is a court case. You see, if someone is contending with you, he say, I will you, I will contend with the person. If I had time, I would have taken you to the book of Zechariah chapter three to show you another court session. And how God, God was the one that did the contention. In the book of Zechariah chapter three. Uh, we may not have time for that. But he said, I will contend with him that contended with thee. And, And I will stop the flow into another generation. Part of the way we can know that a particular legal matter has been handled is that it loses its transgenerational potential. Trust me. I came into ministry at a very young age. As you can see, I'm still very young. So, but 1994 is when I started. So, till today, that's how many years now? 20-something 20 years. 28 years? 28 years. So, for 28 years, I've been doing devils, doing demons. <laughs> I've sat with people, trying to track things, and trying to provide help to the power of God. I saw how, 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 Totally, totally disarmed I was, without insight. My zeal, my compassion, had no value in that matter. Except I see the legality, then I will now know what set of items in the kingdom of God can neutralize the voice of that legality. So that God can have a ground through my priesthood to step in by his sovereignty to contend. So what my priesthood will do is that it will create a premise upon which God will be righteous to intervene. Are you there? Good. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build a bridge so that it will be legitimate for God to bring about an Intervention because it is God that has the capacity to contend with him that is contending with me uh, and to the end that he will save my children. Are you there? Yes, sir. So you have seen how that legalities can be the root of bondages because the spirit realm allows legality. What was the first shape? And you must understand the law of the Bible. The law of the Bible, if you read and study the pattern, you will see that if it's God that causes a problem, it's only God that can solve it. If it's an angel that causes a problem, it will be an angel that will solve the problem. Just like in the book of Genesis, it was man that caused the problem. He rebelled against God and chose the tree of death instead of the tree of life. Because the tree of death, in eating of the tree of death, he was declaring independence from God. And death means separation from God. The moment he became separated from God, in any mood that he existed, he was an expression of death. So he left the, the tree of life, and he chose the tree of death. And God told him the position of the justice system of heaven concerning that type of rebellion. He said, in the day that you eat of this fruit, in dying, ye shall surely die. It was man that caused the problem. And unfortunately, all men were implicated by that problem. So there was no man among us that was qualified in terms of stature to satisfy the the claims of divine justice. So God had to introduce another man that was not a victim of the original mutation. Are you there? That was why God, the story of salvation, is how that God, the son of God became the son of man so that sons of men can become sons of God. He, he had to do that in order for him to satisfy the claims of divine justice. And the high place of the ministry of Jesus was not his miracles, was not, was not his signs, was not the dead people that he raised. The high place of his ministry was where he fulfilled the sacrifice that satisfied justice. So the cross was the ultimate place for Jesus because he was coming to undo, to take on that which was already proclaimed by the justice system of heaven, that the consequence of this will be death. So he that was not guilty of that sin now had to die in the place of the sinner, so that through the principle of substitution, which is a possibility in the realm of the spirit, through faith, therefore, men can share in the destiny that Jesus had before the cross. So it it is substitution. If we go deeper, I will bring some of those principles that God used. He used the principle of substitution, he used other principles that are allowables in the realm of the supernatural in order for him to shape our salvation. And, and, and the way he shaped our salvation, the way Jesus altered our salvation has already sentenced all of us to a, a certain kind of life. For instance, Jesus suffered in order for him to satisfy God's heart. In attempting to satisfy God's heart, you will suffer. Because that's how our master authored it. Meanwhile, the Christianity of today and the preaching of today seeks to um, take us out of that crucible and he paints a different, that's falsehood. Because he was the one that authored our faith and he will be the one that will finish our faith according to the pattern of his own life. So everything you find in the life of Jesus is part of our destiny. I know you won't say amen there. It's part of our destiny. So there is, there are pains, there are sacrifices that you will bear, not because you are a criminal. That's a burden that you need to pay because that is how it was uttered. The life of Jesus has shaped our possibility, shaped our pathway. The way he died has shaped our experience so that many years later, Paul now shows up and said that I may know him. That I may know the power by which he rose from the dead. And you cannot have, yes, that's an experience in him. Because he rose from the dead. So resurrection is part of our experience. But there's something called the fellowship of his suffering. It's also part of our destiny. Because it's weaved into how he was able to achieve our redemption. So all of us are partakers of every element that culminated in the acquisition of our salvation. Yeah. There are many times you will pray and say, change this. And he will leave you there for another five years. Mm. Not because he hates you. You too must bear that mark. It is part of your destiny. Do you understand that? So as I'm standing here and I'm willing, I'm available to suffer for his name that's the correct orientation that every believer should have there's a price that you will pay so that he will get maximal return on investment may the Lord give you understanding in the name of Jesus Christ so that's number one the first shape of the unseen realm is that it is a realm that is legal in scope are you there? I'll show you number two and then I'll stop. Then we'll move to the practicals. Time gone. Number two, Malachi. Malachi chapter three, verse 16. You see, my message has changed. This is not what I wanted to preach. I brought a theological piece. (laughs) And someone's prayer has manipulated Verse 16, it says, And they that fear the Lord speak often one unto another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that fear the Lord and taught upon his name. There shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spared his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him. Not. It's a dead, I fear the Lord. They speak. It's just like I visit your house and then we begin to chat, we begin to talk. Then at some point, the utterance, that we are finding through God's grace to continue in that discussion. The utterance shifts. The reason why there is a shift is because something has happened overhead. You see, God was interested in the discussion that men were having, and then a book of remembrance was opened. Are you with me? So our normal fellowship, I visit your house, you give me a cup of coffee, and then we're just talking about our experiences that we have in God, and then suddenly the Lord seizes our vocal cords, and we begin to speak by the Spirit. It's very, um, it's not a very formal setting, it's very informal setting, but the Lord seizes it. When, if you ever notice that, it's because that's your moment together became a spiritual ceremony. And a spiritual ceremony is an activity on earth that goes on record in the realm of the spirit. Oh, you're not with me. There are some things we can do in intercession and then it goes on record. Sixty years from today, because of that moment, God is compelled to do something in Manchester. The next shape of the realm is that there is a realm of records. Everything is recorded. The other time, I woke up and I checked Facebook and I saw what I did five years ago. So Facebook was able to save my, my pictures that I took five years ago. Um, heaven does better. <laughs> records. It's a record. Like now that we are here praying, God is taking records. Some things have opened and we spoke into it and it will never die. Sometimes in order for you to intercede effectively for a territory, you will need to be shown the records, the ancient records that were kept in that territory. That's why you will see the collaboration that existed between prophets of one generation and prophets of another generation. You will find um, um, Daniel, in the book of Daniel chapter, is it Daniel chapter nine that he said he understood by books? The words of the prophecy. It was the prophecy of Jeremiah. The prophecy of Jeremiah, another prophet had prophesied and he had gone. But the utterances was that he released were recorded in the heavens. And in order for Daniel's prophetic ministry to be effective, he needed to be enlightened about something that had happened in another generation. See, in those days, you will see how generations connect. They connect according to the records, according to records. Right now, there are are some records that have been kept in heaven and according to the timing of the records, there are some manifestations that should come upon the earth at this time. So God will begin to hover upon the earth. To look for men whose hearts are angulated towards the realization of those things that by the records is their time for manifestation. He can go to all of Asia just looking for A man or a people whose heart still believes that God has not forgotten. Now for some of you, maybe before the fasting and prayer and the night prayers come to an end, there are some records that will open so that you will understand the alignment of your life as touching several things that are captured in heaven that God wants to bring into manifestation at such a time as this. We hope you enjoyed this PrayerStorm podcast. For more content, find us on Instagram at PrayerStorm, all one word, and on YouTube, PrayerStormTV.